Welcome into the Talking Tide podcast on the Pigskin Podcast Network. I'm Chase Goodbread, the sports columnist with the Tuscaloosa News. I'm joined, as always, by Travis Ryer, the longtime senior analyst at BamaOnline.com. Of course, the Talking Tide podcast links to it available every time we pod at our Twitter feed. That would be Talking underscore Tide would be your handle there, T-A-L-K-I-N underscore Tide. That'll get you to us on Twitter's link to uh, our twice-weekly podcast during the fall. You can also get the podcast, of course, on Apple Podcasts, anywhere else you like to get your podcasts, as well as live on both Facebook and YouTube. We're previewing Alabama-Tennessee tonight for the midweek edition. Quickly want to thank our sponsors, Peterbrook Chocolatier of Tuscaloosa, North River Dental Associates, and DraftKings. Travis, we kick off. Uh, this Wednesday evening edition of Talking Tide uh, with the Crimson Tide at the moment a seven and a half seven and a half point favorite on the road at Tennessee. Nick Saban asked this evening, just uh, a couple short hours ago, about the playing status of uh, Bryce Young. Actually, he volunteered it. It was part of his uh, his opener, uh, and he really indicated that things are looking good. Didn't say he was going to play. Uh, but he handed out some t- some tea leaves for sure by saying that he's throwing on a pitch count and is progressing every day. Uh, so uh, that's that's kind of where we sit uh, for the third Saturday in October, just uh, about 72 hours out. Yeah, and as we talked about, it's sort of been trending that way even since late last week. You wondered by the time the Texas A&M game rolled around if we might not actually see Bryce in that one against the Aggies. It didn't happen, but – Sounds like he's continued to progress and move along at a good rate and a healthy rate. And I think as much as anything, you just want him to be able to protect himself, not only in terms of what that shoulder can take, but being cognizant of situations because he does like to extend plays where he takes care of himself. I mean, the play call and the play design can only do so much and the guys around you can only do so much. But when it is very much in your nature to not give up on plays, um, that makes it harder to sort of project for him, right? It does. It, it does. It, it's something that that he'll have to be cognizant of. And, you know, on the medical side of it, Travis, as we know, one of the indicators for medical clearance, not the only one, but one of them certainly is uh, when doctors determine that there's no risk of re-injury or no risk of of, of furthering or, or uh, aggravation uh, than if there were no injury. And then at that point, uh, when the other medical clearances come through, it becomes about pain tolerance. We've talked about that a couple of times on the, on the show here on Talking Tide. And so medical clearance uh, doesn't always mean you're 100%. You can go out there if you can take the pain, if the doctors have cleared you. And I, that's something to watch for because if Bryce Young is a go, um, people are going to be looking for how much zip is on that ball early in the game. And, uh, no one's going to be paying any more attention to it. I'm sure than, than the Tennessee coaching staff. No doubt about that. Um, yeah. And, you know, for Bryce also, it sounds as if this has been an AC sprain more than an outright separation of that throwing shoulder. And with other positions, right, you can harness that thing up. If you're a linebacker, as much as it might be a pain tolerance thing to go along with a functionality issue, you can put a harness on a shoulder 
and, and do what you still need to do. You can't do that on your throwing shoulder, I wouldn't think. So, um, no, it'll be interesting, uh, assuming that he does play. And, look, if Bryce Young, I think we all, or a lot of folks anyway, have a newfound appreciation for game manager after Texas A&M. If all Bryce Young does, and and this is saying it as if it's not a lot, which it is, is manage the offense successfully and stay out of turnovers and also convert the third down here and there when it's needed to be done, that's an upgrade over what Alabama got against Texas A&M, and especially when you consider you're taking the show on the road in front of a very hostile environment. Yeah, if you can generate the zero under the, in the turnover column, no matter who's quarterback, and for that matter, Young or Milrow, but getting that zero in the in the turnover column, Travis, that's where it's got to start for this offense after last week. Um, oh, there's no doubt, no doubt you know, about that. And, and they're gonna and and look, that doesn't mean that they can plot along and and trade punches with Tennessee either, because they're gonna have to be explosive at times as well. Uh, but they gotta they they definitely gotta clean up that issue for sure. Nick Saban not liking uh, the frequency of penalties either against Texas A and M. So yeah, all that to clean up. But the Bryce Young uh, and his. Uh, how he looks early, all eyes certainly are going to be on that. It looks like he's going to give it a go. Um, at least that's that's what the tea leaves are saying here on Wednesday night, Travis. Uh, long as we're talking about Bryce Young's availability, why don't we go ahead and quickly hit on some a little bit of personnel on both sides who, who's, whose situation is is uh, changing or, or alters the game in some way. Looks like Jalen Moody's ready to go. Start with him, the Alabama starting Will Linebacker. Uh, capably replaced, I thought, by Deontay Lawson against Texas A&M, but Moody back. And then on the other side of things, Travis, uh, you've got Cedric Tillman, the wide receiver, most talented wide receiver Tennessee has, uh, apparently questionable, hadn't played since September 17th. Kind of get the sense, but my gut feeling is he's going to be a go-to, but but his ankle worth watching just like Young's shoulder probably. It uh, is. And, uh, and then, of course, you've got Jalen McCullough, uh, the safety for the balls who may or may not play uh, following a felony arrest. So there you have that. Yeah, we didn't hear from Josh Heupel, the Tennessee coach, in relation to McCullough's status moving forward. We didn't hear that he had been suspended or you know, it was the typical, uh, we're still gathering information on the situation, which kind of led me to think that there's a there's a chance at least that he is going to play this week. Um, Tillman's interesting because reportedly he had the same procedure that we've seen Tua Tonga Viola right. and some other guys have with that tightrope. And uh, it was tough for Tua to come back from fairly quickly as a quarterback. Uh, you got to think for a wide receiver, that's sort of elongated Tillman's sure. return because of everything he needs to be able to do with his footwork and uh, everything that goes with that. So, Absolutely. I think that'll be a, a very interesting situation to consider. Uh, he lit up Alabama pretty good in Tuscaloosa last year. Seven catches for 152. He quick snapped. They quick snapped. Tennessee did. Josh Job on the 70-yarder. So, you know, that tempo, that offense working at that high speed, there's some different ways in which they can give defenses a lot of trouble. But it certainly also helps when you got your best personnel out there and and that's Cedric Tillman to go along with those other three wide receivers. 
Yeah, those 90-degree cuts for those wide receivers, that's violent on the ankles, doing, you know, doing that at high rates of speed. And so, yeah, there's no doubt. I, I think recovery from that probably you would take a little bit longer. Than, and, and it has, right? Because I guess it was September yeah. 17th since he's been out. So he's been out roughly four weeks, which yeah. is, I guess, twice as long as Stu was out, roughly. So Right. And so with Tillman, even if it's third downs that he helps Tennessee, um, that's a big thing because Tennessee a year ago in this game, two of 13, didn't convert thirds against that Alabama defense. And uh, you talk about explosive plays. Tennessee can certainly still produce those uh, with the players they have, McCoy and Hyatt and some other receivers. Uh, but Cedric Tillman is is their number one guy for a reason. And, you know, Alabama, from that perspective of explosive plays, I, I was going to ask you what kind of game. I mean, the style of game last year was sort of a, a battle in styles because Alabama's run game was more phone booth oriented with Brian Robinson and what he could do between the tackles. This year, it is more about explosive plays with Jameer Gibbs. Um we keep hearing Nick Saban talk about wanting consistency in the run game. Well, he's consistently getting explosive plays, but I do think there's still situationally sometimes where he'd like to see maybe more along the lines of six, eight, 10, 12 yards per carry when he's trying to close games out. Yeah, there's no doubt. This At least twice, if not three times this season, uh, it, he, he's mentioned, he certainly mentioned it, I think, after the, after the opener uh, that or maybe it was after Texas, I guess, when such a big chunk of Alabama's rushing yards came on that big run by McClellan. Uh, but a couple times at least, he, he's, he's noted that uh, they they need, you know, kind of like you said, they need four plus, five plus more often. And, you know, and, and, and maybe Too many not empty get, carries. Yeah. Hit at the line. Yeah. So many. So that, yeah, that, that's something to watch for sure. Uh, in terms of style of game, obviously, you presume it's two different styles, certainly. I mean, if Milrow goes, you're talking about a completely different style. But but it, but if 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 Bryce Young is a go, you know, I think maybe they do lean on that running game a little bit more early, especially if they can move the chains with it and maybe keep Tennessee's offense off the field. You know, Tennessee's going to go fast break. Sometimes Nick Saban goes fast break right out of the game. He's done that before. Um, I don't know if he's going to want to throw that punch. To, you know, right out of the gate against a team that doesn't, you know, as frequently as Tennessee does necessarily. Um, but if if I'm Alabama and I can get Gibbs going, I, I'm uh, uh, I'm leaning on I'm leaning on that in the first quarter if it's there. You know, um, it's interesting from the the Tennessee perspective and the Alabama perspective defensively because on paper it looks like Tennessee has improved against the run this year defensively. But then you watch a guy like Izzy Abanaconda, the outstanding running back for Pitt in week two, go for 154 against the balls, and he had a 76-yarder in there. Mm -hmm. And you're left to wonder if maybe Tennessee hasn't seen backs quite like Jameer Gibbs so far. You know, Florida is a good running football team, but it's not a necessarily explosive running football team. And then from the Alabama perspective, we think that there's growth and improvement from those corners, Terry and Arnold and Kool-Aid McKinstry. But I think if you point at both those areas, I don't know if I'll really know for sure 
to buy or sell either of those until after Saturday's game. I, the, in other words, there's still, I think, something to prove in a couple of areas for these defenses. I agree. I agree. There, there's a, Alabama's not, um, you know, the, I, I, the the Ewers passing attack was was exceptional early in that got game. after him. So yeah. it, it, it can't be said that, that they haven't seen a, a quarterback as talented as Hooker. I think they have in Ewers, but the, but a little different here if you're going to be looking at Hooker for four quarters instead of one or one and a half or however long uh, Quinn Ewers was out there. But, uh, yeah, I, I think the pass rush tells a big tale also. Obviously, look, you got Will Anderson and Dallas Turner coming into their own Turner with two sacks last week, Anderson with a big pile of quarterback pressures. They all did. Braswell came, played a lot, had a lot of pressures uh, against Texas A&M. Those guys have a way of making uh, McKinstry and Arnold's job easy. If they get all over hooker and they just destroy Alabama's tackles, it's great for Alabama. uh, But it, but, but it takes, uh, um, it, it, it makes it harder to judge the corners you're talking about. Well, and you got to get all those pass. You got to be able to get all those pass rushers on the field together. And the cheetah pack package is uh, very effective. And it was very effective against Texas A&M, but Jimbo gives you a chance to sub. Right. Josh Heupel doesn't give you many chances to sub. Right. So you have to make a decision more so against Tennessee about going into a possession this is the personnel right. that I'm going to start the possession with, and it might have to be the personnel that we go the whole possession with. Right. Because with this pace and this tempo, and less Tennessee, for some reason, which it typically does not, subs on offense, you're not going to probably get many chances to get specific packages on and off the field. So you know, last year for Alabama, it was in its big nickel a lot. Three defensive linemen and Will Anderson. So even just in terms of Turner and Anderson on the field together and understanding Tennessee just ran for 260 plus against LSU. You got to make some choices against this offense. Do you start a possession with Turner and Anderson together? Do you go more with three defensive linemen and Anderson kind of puts you in a a bind in terms of what you can do and how much you can do it. It does. There's no doubt. And I, I alluded to, to some of what we're talking about here with Nick Saban and his Wednesday presser tonight. And, and although rather than talking, you know, early downs, I was asking more about the cheetah package and ha- how it can handle the run. If it happens to get stuck on the field because of Tennessee's pace and running situations. Um, I think and, that I think it'll be more of an issue of getting the cheetah package on the field and getting it off. Right. Oh, yeah. That, and saving because I just don't I don't see them going totally away from what they did last year when they held Tennessee to 65 yards right. on the ground and right. saying, oh, we're going to go with three 240 pound guys in our front. Right. Now, maybe they will. Maybe they'll roll that dice. Maybe occasionally they'll roll the dice, but it's a gamble still. Right. It is, it is, and, and I, I toss Saban live, live bait plus a shiny lure <laughs> with, with, with this question because what I was trying to get out of him, if I could, Travis, was I was trying to ask him, look, do you stretch the definition of when you put that cheetah package on the field yeah. since, since it's such a hot package uh, coming off of last week um, so, so that you can get that bunch more overall snaps, basically. Yeah. And uh, Nick – 
swam right by that bank pretty much. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He'll do that sometimes, they, they, Nick. They swam will. right by. Yeah. yeah. No, it but it, it's to me, it's one of the more fascinating aspects of this matchup to think about this week because Alabama undoubtedly would like to get those three guys on the field in passing situations. And like I said, Jimbo, he works at this sort of 1978 pace on offense that gives you that opportunity. Trust me, Josh Heupel knows all about that cheetah package too. (laughs) And whatever he he can do to make sure it doesn't get on the field, or if it does get on the field, it gets off and stays off, he's going to be all about that. All right, I'm way late with the reset here really quickly. Alabama 6-0 and 3-0 in SEC play. Tennessee 5-0 and 2-0. And, and of course, it's a 2.30 p.m. Central time kickoff on CBS at Neyland Stadium. Way late with the the reset. (laughs) Coming out of the top. But uh, nobody can say. I think everybody knows at this point, you know. know? Yeah. Um, Yeah. How about the ticket that's man? That old J, that's that old J school in you. you know? <laughs> that's exactly right. Who, what, why, where, when? Jay Solomon. Yeah. <laughs> J.U. Solomon. God yes, rest sir. his soul. Yes. Yes, sir. Googling. Uh, ticket man and Vegas man. Travis, let's hit on them really quickly. The get, Oh, I'd love to send your dad to Knoxville. Uh, the, 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 I just checked before we started recording the get in price in the, in the crappiest seats in the, in the yard, Travis right now are sitting in the high three hundreds, three seventy five, three eighty, 380. And, uh, um, we'll see. How, we'll see how much they fall. I never did get a word on, on where Alabama A&M tickets fell to, but where they bottomed out. Uh, and then, of course, uh, the line, uh, Tennessee plus seven and a half. Thoughts on both of those? I, I, you know, I know Pops would still take the same approach. I mean, that's just what he always did. But yeah, he, he'd have a real problem, I think, with it. The ticket man's got just too much working for him this week. And it is a big stadium. I understand that. But, man, you got a fan base frothing. Yeah, right, right. That's at right. the mouth to end this 15-game winning streak. They're ranked in the top six, Tennessee, undefeated. Yep. It's Alabama. Anytime it's Alabama, that helps the ticket man out. And I it's think also- it's a $280 ticket in Tuscaloosa, though. 380 in Knoxville. I think it's 280 in Tuscaloosa. Just for- Probably. I wouldn't because, disagree with that. But the fever's not the same. No. Well, but it's also a 3.30 kick, which the ticket man loves. Because all those ball fans from Nashville and Atlanta yeah. and everywhere around in that three to four hour radius, they can get there without it being a hotel stay. You right. know? So look, the ticket man knows that you're not dropping coin on hotel too. So that's a tax he puts mm-hmm. on that ticket. You know, and that's what keeps those tickets inflated to that price. Everything working in the ticket man's favor this week. Ginger knew how to take care of everybody. (laughs) There's your movie drop in for the show. Yes. Yes. Ginger. Uh, Vegas man, Alabama favored by seven and a half. Too high for me, Travis. That's the one I'm giving out this week. And the balls plus seven and a half. The other one that I, that I debated on that you and I uh, exchanged messages on earlier I really thought, and uh, we can hit on this on the back end of the show, I, I suppose, but 
that tennis, excuse me, that Florida LSU over under of 52, kind of like that under because I feel like there's not a ton of faith in either quarterback by their own coaches, right? I mean, uh, between Daniels and, and, and Richardson, you might have two coaches wanting to want to see what they can do on the ground and, and chew clock. Uh, but I ultimately decided that, uh, that Tennessee plus seven and a half was the right play. I think Alabama wins the game, but, but I think Tennessee covers that number. I think it's right around that number. I, I, it, it, I wouldn't mess with that one. And I would, I didn't like either of those games. Mm-hmm. I didn't like yeah. under, uh, for, for LSU and Florida, because, I think both those offenses could actually end up scoring. And then with the way those teams are, you never know what might happen in the kicking game or defensive score potential there. Um, No, those are two stayaways. But I I think I'm with you on both of them. I'm with you on the Alabama-Tennessee thing. If I had to go one way or the other, I'd take Tennessee in the seven and a half. I'm with you, though. I think Alabama wins the game. Yeah, yeah, it's – uh, by the way, the the total on Tennessee Alabama sixty five and a half. Uh, how about that number? Well, I guess I like the over. With oh, what I'm part- thinking, okay, I'm okay. thinking low forties to win and loser somewhere in the mid thirties. Right. Yeah, Big I got number. one of those. I got kind of a, I got kind of an Alabama A and M in two thousand thirteen going mm-hmm. in my head right now. Yep. Yep. For sure. I, with the way Alabama is playing close games in conference play, I, I, I sometimes it looks more circa 1995 Gene Stallings kind of <laughs> kind of winning games for me, you know. <laughs> yeah, except Gene's teams would score 40 in four games right. instead of one. You know, That's instead right. four games instead of four quarters for 40. Yeah, yeah. Never. Uh, not sure I can ever remember a a, a seven point lead point being more regularly comfortable than it, <laughs> than, than it was when when Gene Stallings. Uh, That's true. Man in the headset. That's true. Uh, this was a Gene Stallings defense, and we were talking about it in terms of being stellar. Um, that would be a more along the lines of it, of course, uh, with the way they played offense back in. Beebs's days, it had something to do with that too. All right, the Talking Tide podcast on the Pigskin Podcast Network. Really just got a few more minutes here. We're going to talk a little bit more about other games around the SEC on the back end of the show like we always do, though. But first, I'm going to tell you a little bit about a couple of sponsors. We're going to start telling you uh, about North River Dental Associates. Dr. Jax Molly, the former Alabama linebacker, can tackle every sort of dental health you might dental needs you might have with a well-trained staff of dental hygienists. North River Dental can handle horseman veneers, laser dentistry, dentures, endodontics. The teeth whitening service is extremely popular as well. You know where they're at. It's on 1100 Fairfax Park, right off of Watermelon Road. They're going to get you in and out on a routine cleaning, typically in under an hour. And of course, they're doing Botox and Juvederm treatments as well to tighten up those facial features. Give Jack's office a call to make an appointment, 752-3506 in Tuscaloosa, or go online, visit NorthRiverDentist.com. It's North River Dental Associates. I'm going to tell you about Peterbrook Chocolatier out there at 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hill section of Tuscaloosa. You looking for cigars for Tennessee week? Well, they got the best kind at Peterbrook Chocolatier. Oh. They've got the chocolate cigars. <laughs> That's right. You're going to smell a lot better, going to taste a lot better. P. 
people around you are going to enjoy them a lot more. Get by Peterbrook Chocolatier for Tennessee Week and those celebratory, at least you're anticipating a celebration following Saturday's game, and pick up those chocolate cigars at Peterbrook Chocolatier. And, and by the way, a little trivia for you. Alabama is 15-0 and against Tennessee since Peterbrook Chocolatier opened its doors in Tuscaloosa. How about that stat? Mm. May not be a better stat we throw out there all night, yeah, good Brett. Yeah, yeah, that's something. Peterbrook yeah. Chocolatier, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North. Love Peterbrook for sure. Going to be swinging by there for the house candy before Halloween. Oh, the boobart. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The wife picked up the the you know the the run of the mill candy for the big bowl and the and the, Peter, <laughs> and the Peterbrook's going to be staying in the kitchen. That's how that's going to work. The laffy taffy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, all right, uh, finally going to tell you all about DraftKings, the NFL action in full swing at the DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner in the NFL. Uh, all you got to do is download that DraftKings Sportsbook app, bet $5 on any NFL team to win, get $200 in free bets. If they do, you just can't beat that. Also, you can do those same game parlays once per game day all season long at the DraftKings Sportsbook. So download that DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use our promo code TPPN and get $200 in free bets if your team wins when you place just a $5 bet on any football game. Once again, that's promo code TPPN only at the DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Travis, uh, quickly, We'll fly through uh, a couple other games around the league before we shut things down for this Wednesday night. Uh, Auburn at Ole Miss. The Rebels a pretty big favorite at home, double-digit favorite at home, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Mississippi State at Kentucky, LSU at Florida. Those are the three that we'll tackle right here at the end. Uh, which of those jumps out to you first? For me, it's Mississippi State, Kentucky. Because if Mississippi State wins in Lexington on Saturday, you're going to have potentially undefeated Alabama or one-loss Alabama. And Mississippi State in basically a elimination game, perhaps, or it could be, mm. in the SEC West, the Saturday after what we're viewing as the biggest Saturday maybe in the league, uh, to this point anyway, in, in, in less than 10 days, that's could be the scenario in Tuscaloosa. So for me, it's Will Levis being back at quarterback for Kentucky after that disappointing loss to South Carolina. And, um, you know, can Mississippi State and that newfound running game, good bread uh, of the air raid, can they get it done up there in the bluegrass? You know, I haven't looked it up, but in, in the dark corners of, of uh, my head, Travis, which get darker all the time, I want to say the last time Mississippi State played Alabama uh, with a with a shot to go to the SEC championship game by beating Alabama, you just to be in that position. I want to say it was a Dak Prescott team, 2014 um, in Tuscaloosa. Yeah, so Mississippi State uh, was number one in the country in yeah. 2014. I think Ole Miss and look, Ole Miss is right there too. So the Mississippi schools. Kind of, you're alluding to, pulling a little bit of a 2014 here. Mm -hmm. That's right. Uh, LSU at Florida. Again, I, I think that's kind of a slugfest on the ground. I don't trust either one of those quarterbacks. Uh, but like you said, crazy things can happen when those 
two get together. Uh, so yeah, maybe, uh, you know, the, the boys that play those overs like those crazy touchdowns, like them real good. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, finally, Auburn at Ole Miss. Auburn is just sloshing through a rough time for Brian Harson for sure. Uh, talk about, there's talk about whether or not Brian Harson is going to last a week. Seemingly every week at this point, Travis. We say that every we say that every Wednesday. Yeah. And then he's still around the next Wednesday. So um, you know, Auburn was competitive for the better part of two and a half quarters in that loss to Georgia last weekend, but you've got no shot in today's football if you can't consistently put points on the board. And that's just kind of where Auburn's at uh right now on that side of the football. And and it's it's a little bit mystifying because I know the running back position has been devalued, but man, when you've got two like Hunter and Bigsby, I just feel like there's more you can do with those guys, even if you have to get them on the field together mm-hmm. to be better offensively than what we're help Robbie Ashford out, man. Yeah. You know, he's not Cam Newton. You know, I, he's a good athlete, but he's not Cam Newton. He needs some help. So personnel wise, I don't know, maybe try to get your best players on the field. Yeah, Robbie Ashford's going backwards as a pass rusher. I, I actually thought uh, – I saw a couple of things the first game he got in there for Auburn that, that, that I thought, yeah, they might have yeah. something to work it with, with the passing game. Uh, it's regressed for sure, but that whole offense has regressed. And uh, it, Robbie Ashford doesn't, doesn't exactly have, you know, Jerry Rice and John Taylor out there. No, he doesn't have Frank Sanders No, so, from the mid-'90s at wide receiver. That's what I'm saying. Go two backs, two tight ends, and one wide receiver. That that's all you really have right now, anyway. Right. That right. that would probably maximize your personnel as well as anything else, and run the hell out of it, and throw the hell out of it to Bigsby and Hunter, and then mix in some quarterback design runs. And I know that Harson is a pro guy, um, but. For the sake of giving your team the best chance to win, yeah, uh, what they've been doing haven't been working. Put you on the spot here. Egg bowls tomorrow on a neutral field. Who you got? Gosh, you know, I I want to say Ole Miss. I like but, State. I think. And my hesitancy is that Jackson Dart still throws some inexplicable interceptions about every game he has at least one. And so I think I would trust Will Rogers more right now. And with the way Mississippi State's been able to incorporate the run more with those two backs, um, I don't know where – on a neutral field? Yeah, okay. Um, I might be with you. I might be with Mississippi State. It it, it, it it came to me as Ole Miss quickly, but I just I just worry about Jackson Dart and the sustainability for that team if if he's going to have those kind of turnovers week in and week out. Can't wait for that Egg Bowl, Travis. I love it. I love that. I think it's back on. Um, it's back on Thanksgiving night, maybe this year. Nice, nice. Yeah, yeah. I, I I'd I'd sooner watch the worst Egg Bowl than the best Lions game on Thanksgiving. You don't want to watch the Lions and the Bears. No. No, no thanks. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. I've, I've seen enough of uh, Jared Goff and <laughs> Matt Squad. All right, that is going to do it for this edition of the Talking Tide podcast. want to thank our listeners and viewers. Be sure to tune back in 
for the Sunday Nighter when we recap Alabama's road game at Tennessee for the third Saturday in October. For Travis Dreyer of BamaOnline.com, I'm Chase Goodbread, sports columnist with the Tuscaloosa News and co-host of Crimson Cover Television. And we'll talk to you Sunday night here on Talking Tide.